0: just jump on our website, empowerchurch.co and all the details are there. We really hope that you enjoy the message.
1: Uh, it's all good, it's all good.
0: You know, we, we um, a couple of weeks ago, we started a, um, a series of messages called Risky Business. The Bible teaches us, in fact, Jesus tells His earthly parents when they lose Him and He's in the temple, He's stayed back behind in Jerusalem and uh, they, they lost Him on the way back because people would travel in community to Jerusalem to celebrate some of the, the festivals and, and the big party was, um, was, was happening and they thought He was coming back, but He hung out in the temple. And when they found Him, they basically said to Him, um, you know, they're freaking out like every parent would be. Have you ever lost a child before? or just thought you've lost a child? Alright, I see my only hand. You're all way better. This is parenting shame right now. Um, it was Alicia's fault, by the way. No, I'm joking. Messing, messing. Um, but, uh, um, and he, he, Jesus says to Mary and Joseph, says, didn't you know I'd be about my father's business? And I think as we look at the life of Jesus As we look at the life of the apostles, the early disciples, the early church, we begin to realise that following Jesus um, and being a Christian is less about embracing a lifestyle of comfort and more around participating in a life of faith with God that may mean that you and I are in some risky, dangerous spaces for the Lord. I'm not talking about kind of purposely putting yourself out in a dangerous situation, you're in the middle of the night, Lord's told me to go to this alley and you know, that's not what I'm saying, right? But I'm talking about the life of faith is an adventure. And I suppose one of the lies that I'm wanting to break and the teaching that I'm wanting to correct is around this idea that or as Christians, God is our genie that brings comfort. And at times we've seen our prayer times as we approaching the genie in the bottle, Mr. Aladdin, sir. But instead, what prayer is, prayer is actually our, a part of our space of relationship with the Lord. And whilst God is a God that answers prayer, whilst God is a God that does miracles, whilst God is a God that we must continue to lean into and believe for a supernatural response, God has a way that is above our way. God has a way when we get ourselves into trouble or find ourselves in trouble for good and godly reasons. That's biblical too, right? Like Christianity in this day and age is gonna get harder and harder and harder. That's just the truth. As the world gets more worldly and worldly and worldly, we are going cross-culture with some demonic forces that wanna make it harder for us to practise worship like the Bible teaches that we should. And so we find ourselves as followers of Jesus, not praying for Um, maybe the things that we as the Western Church have prayed for for so long. But really we start praying some radical prayers. And a few weeks ago, uh, uh, several weeks ago now, I I spoke about um, Elijah and and the woman and the risk of saying yes to to the Word of the Lord, risking it all on a word from the Lord. And then we... we, um, I did two of four points in a sermon called Risky Prayers. And we had a malfunction with the recording, so that's why I didn't go to Spotify or anywhere like that for you to, to, um, to, to have a look at. And I want to briefly go over those in a moment. But really what's at the crux of this sermon today and this series of messages is really inviting you to ask a question Allow the Holy Spirit to shine His flashlight on your heart, on your mind, on your Christianity. And really the question is, is what does my Christianity look like? Does it look like one of faith? Does it look like one of adventure? What, when was the last time, here's a good question, that you took a risk for God? One of the most confusing things for the world is that we say we believe in a powerful God, yet the church are taking no risks in the direction of what and who we believe He is. And so we gotta be these people. So that's, that's the question. Have you ever risked at all? When was the last time you risked everything on a word for Him? Risky prayer. We said that we got to be. Um, we said that we got to pray risky prayers because our prayers have to be proportional to the time that we're living in, and safe, comfortable prayers are not the prayers to pray anymore. And so we're looking at four different prayers. The last last two were the first one was strengthen me. Enlarge me, grow me, increase me, give me more, strengthen me. That's what, that's what kind of, that's the mentality that we have is like, um, we kind of look in our Western mindset like, God, give me more, but strengthen me is a different type of prayer. It's a type of prayer that's not looking for more out here. It's a type of prayer that's looking for more in here. The the apostles said to Jesus in Luke chapter 17, they said to Jesus, increase our money. No, increase our property portfolio. Increase my hair. I'm going bald. No, I'm not really. Increase my natural skills. No, increase my... Faith is what they asked for. What is faith? Faith is an internal Space in it's it's your belief that no matter what you're in, God's going to come through, and God's going to do what He needs to do. And so when we're praying, Lord, strengthen me in a way we're praying. God, increase something on the inside. And um, then we prayed, or we spoke about a prayer out of Psalms 139, where we said, "God, search me." Dangerous prayers. Search me. Search me, search me. Get your flashlight. Have you ever prayed that prayer before? It really is a dangerous prayer because when you start saying, Lord, if there's something in me (laughs) that's not like you, and can I be honest with you, it's not an if. But Lord, the things that are in me that are not like you, would you show me them and change them? And that's a dangerous prayer because God will use the circumstances and people and relationships and the church that you belong to to challenge a whole lot of things in your life to bring you to a place where you start growing and becoming like Him. And today, we're gonna look at two. We've had, what do we have? I've just said it. We've had Strength in Me. We've had Search Me. And today I wanna talk About smash me and send me. Smash me and send me. David, thanks, man. You're gonna make me wanna worship the whole time. Please exit the stage.
1: (laughs) You're still mine.
0: Smash me. Just turn to your neighbor and say, Smash me. Don't respond in physical violence, but. (laughs) Smash me. Smash me. Another way, maybe a more appropriate way, but to be honest with you, the preacher in me wanted it to start with an S. But maybe a more appropriate, more spiritual word is the word break. Lord, break me. Break me. These are dangerous prayers that, to be honest with you, and this is a dangerous prayer, like, not like. I, I think, I think, um, I think. The truth is, is that we find ourselves in. Um, or I've been in situations myself where I've prayed these prayers, but to be honest with you, they haven't been genuine from my heart. Break me. Do something deep inside of me. I think I said it just a moment before, but I believe that the most dangerous thing to your Christianity, are you listening? I need you to lean into this word right now. The most dangerous thing to your Christianity, to the 21st century Western church's Christianity is a simple word called comfort. Comfort. And it's not the type of comfort God brings. We know the Holy Spirit is a comforter but it's the type of comfort that we look to fill the God-shaped hole that is within each and every single person's life with the things of this world. In fact, we know that comfort, we know that external comfort is actually a thing that stops the Word of God producing fruit in your life and in my life. And we know that from the parable of the sower. The parable of the sower tells us uh, in, in, in a lot of the Gospels, but Luke 18, 14, if you want to read it for yourself, it says that life's worries, uh, riches, and pleasures, they strangle the Word so that the Word, as, which is a metaphor, is a seed in this parable, can't produce what it's meant and designed to produce in our life. And because we desire the things of this world, the deceitfulness of riches is how St. Matthew terms it. The deceitfulness of riches. And one of the most dangerous things that we can live and we can have in our lives is comfort. Now, comfort's not all bad, don't get me wrong. I'm okay with levels of comfort. Comfort's good, live in the house you need to live in, drive the car you need to live in. But please, the, the only you can answer this question because I've seen lots of, I've seen people with nothing but live in bound in areas of Comfort. And I've seen people with all the cars and the house and, and all this and that not live comfortable lives for the Lord. So I'm not trying to say that we should, I'm not, try, I'm not speaking about living in poverty now. That's not what the Bible teaches us. But I'm trying to help you to see that when that comfort or the desire for those things sits on the throne of your heart, they become the king of your life. And when they become the king of your life, they replace Jesus and you and I end up serving these things rather than them them being of service to us for the sake of the kingdom of God. As I said, nothing wrong with having a donkey, nothing wrong with having something like that as long as when the Lord requires of it, you're able to freely give it for the purposes of God. And only you and I on a personal level, not on a macro level, but on a micro level, can really answer the question of what's in our heart. And in this this prayer, as we look at it today, as we look at this this prayer, break me or smash me. It's one of the most re- uh, dangerous and risky prayers uh, that to pray. And I want to show you that this prayer is risky, yes, but is also rewarding. Jeremiah ten verses twenty three says, "I know, O Lord, that a man's life is not his own. A man's life, your life." is not your own. I wanted to put a million scriptures out there today. I want to talk to talk to you today as we talk about Break Me because I'm going after an attitude that's in our culture, that's in church in general, that's in society that says just live for yourself. But the message of being and the, the heart of being a fully devoted follower of Jesus is that you realise that your life is not your own. It was bought with with the price of Jesus' blood. Psalms 51 verse 16 says, You do not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, O God, will not despise the prayer, break me, is the same prayer that John the Baptist prayed when he said, Lord, I, that I would decrease that you might increase. Break me, smash me, is this invitation to the Holy Spirit to say, decrease me. You see how countercultural that is? We live in a world which is like, increase me. I need more followers, I need more influence, I need more this, I need more that. And here's this basic prayer saying, Lord, decrease me. (laughs) The word for the year this year is decrease. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, decrease me, like actually though. Like actually though, Lord, here's my heart. And I'm saying, God, I don't want people, like one of the things that I really struggle with personally and I always feel convicted about and I also feel kind of like I'm on, this, on a knife's edge, like a, a tightrope in a way because the Lord's doing wonderful things through empower. I mean, we were gifted Elkanah in the first six months of, of of the the church's journey, and we've been on a wild ride trying to get a church off the ground and establish a sense of community and family in the midst of COVID and 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 all those sorts of things, but. I, I, the the tightrope that I find myself walking is is I'm, I'm excited and I'm thankful and I'm grateful for the families and for the people and for the beauty and the power and the work that the Lord's doing in the community of believers, in your life, in our church community. But I'm mindful that I, I don't want to say, you know, God's doing, I'm excited about the future of Empower Church. Because really deep down, what I want people to hear is not the name in power. I want them to hear and hear alone the name of Jesus. I don't want them to hear what Matt Garner's doing. My name means nothing. My name cannot save a soul. It's not my blood that was shed on the cross. It's only Jesus. My, my, I'm in, if you pray in my name, honestly, you're just gonna get a few laughs. But if you pray in the name of Jesus, power is gonna break out into your circumstance. Decrease me. Lord, let no one ever know the name of Empower. Let it be the name of Jesus, only His name that is known. <laughs> let not the renown of the name of a brand or a church or a person be spread, but let the name of Jesus be lifted up. Amen. Can you see how hard this is to pray? Because we've been conditioned, listen, especially in this social media day and age, where we've said, the more friends I have, I've got four thousand friends on Facebook. More, I've like I've maxed out of friends, right? Someone said they're not friends. How dare you? <laughs> get behind, no, get behind me, Brenda. Um, <laughs> but the truth is, the truth is, is we live in a culture and a society that's saying increase me. And this is why it's such a risky prayer because God, the Bible tells us, when you humble yourself before the Lord, He will exalt you in due season. The problem is is that God's seasons and our seasons sometimes don't align. Lord, break me. It says in Psalms 34 verse 15, uh, verse 18, sorry, it says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. And I want you to remember as well, like as we're talking about this, um, as we're talking about this kind of cult, countercultural thing, like living in this place where we're saying, Lord, like decrease me so that you can increase. And I don't want you to think that my, what I'm primarily talking about is the external, because I'm not. I'm actually talking about who you are. Decrease me. It's important to note Galatians chapter 5 because this is going to help you and I this is going to help you and I in the journey and the process of life as we desire to follow Jesus with everything but Galatians 5:17 tells us for the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit. Do you know that scripture? And the spirit, which is contrary to the flesh, they are in conflict with each other. And that's important for you to know because it's not natural for your flesh to want to decrease, it's natural for your flesh to want to increase. And so we're in a war. We're in this countercultural war. We're in this war where if you wanna be a fully devoted follower of Jesus, you've gotta make up your mind, Lord, I'm gonna pray some of these hard prayers. I'm gonna allow the Holy Spirit to wrestle deep within me. I wanna tell you right now, and I believe I'm speaking under the anointing of the Holy Spirit right now when I say that there are people here that you've not dealt with disappointments from your childhood, from your early uh, married years, and you carry the weight of some of those disappointments in your heart. And when you come before the Lord and you say, Lord, will you break me? Will you smash me? You are inviting the Holy Spirit into those deep places. There are some of you that you've shut out abuse that happened to you as a child because you've, it's been too painful to deal with and the Lord is inviting you on a journey as you say, Lord, break me. Lord, change me. Lord, do something inside of me. You are inviting the Holy Spirit to come and heal those parts of your life that you never wanted to deal with. Lord, Break me. Break me. Lord, break me. I'll tell you this quick story before I, I give you a few, a few key things. But you know the story. It's, it's the story where Mary comes and all Jesus and his crew are hanging out in a house. And Mary, I think it's Mark chapter 8, who is discovered in Mark chapter 4, she's a prostitute. And she's a prostitute that um, is about to be, um, has, has been accused of her prostitution, has been caught in her prostitution, and in those days that was a punishable by death. And so all these religious people and community people are standing around casting judgment and Jesus rocks up. And Jesus loves this woman appropriately. Jesus accepts this woman graciously. Jesus brings healing to this woman and restoration to this woman and restores this broken woman to the place knowing that she, even in her brokenness and her sinfulness, was created in the image of God. Fast forward a few chapters, this radical follower of Jesus who has had her life turned around. She's literally a follower of Jesus now, literally. She's cruising around, she's watching the miracles. It's crazy. Why? Because that's what happens when you truly encounter Jesus. You don't have to come up with a desire to follow him. There's a love that's born in your heart to want to follow him. And it's this same Mary that we speak of. And I was reading about it this morning, that one, one scholar was writing that, that um, where would have this woman got this expensive jar of perfume to break on Jesus' feet? And some say it might have been passed down from generation to generation and they, they used to use it on their wedding night. You need to know that it was expensive. It was worth about a year's salary. It was worth a lot of money. It was rare. I read one thing this morning that was saying that This woman probably got this as a result of her prostitution and it was actually like her calling card. It was actually like a part of her services, if you like, we're talking real, all right? There's no kids in the church, it's all good. That was a giggle. Um, And it, it was a part of that and what's so beautiful about it is that she brings... Remember the Apostle Paul, fast forward, my righteousness is but filthy rags. And this woman comes and brings, so can you take the picture for a moment? People have smelt that smell around town and they've equated it with a prostitution and now Jesus is covered with the fra- that fragrance. The Bible tells us that that fragrance filled the house. And this is so beautifully and wonderfully, ah, encouraging, because I don't know about you, but my worship is pretty pathetic in comparison to the beauty and the majesty of who Jesus is. And all that I have, which may look like my brokenness and may look like where I've come from, I come into these moments and every, and other moments in my life and I, I have the opportunity to pour out the very little I have on the feet of Jesus and this is what this prayer does when you say break me he takes what was a mess in your life and causes it to be worship I want you to note as well the grace of God towards you and me is that Jesus didn't mind being covered imagine the accusations he's we can smell he's been with the prostitute. but all of our greatest works. Don't you let anyone convince you. Don't you, let, don't you let society convince you or church culture convince you that because I'm up here with a microphone, I've got it all together. My worship is just as broken as that woman's worship. But God is so gracious Amen. in accepting her. And it's my prayer that you would be in that place where you would say, Lord, break me. Break me, break me. You know, James writes, who was the the brother of Jesus, he writes, count it all joy when you come into trials. Like that's gotta be one of the worst verses in the Bible. (laughs) Count it all joy. My brethren, I hate that, it's too spiritual already. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. I mean, there's some biblical writers you want to punch in the throat. (laughs) Count it all joy. How do you do that when you're going through life? Have you ever been through long-term pain and lived with something the doctors can't fix? Well, someone in the Bible is telling you to count that for all joy. (laughs) Have you ever been through a global pandemic? (laughs) Count it all joy. Have you ever lost your job? Count it, don't punch me in the throat, I'm just reading the text. Count it all joy. Have you had a falling out with someone in church life? Count it all joy. Have you been disappointed by pastors or leaders or did someone just radically betray you that you thought should never betray you and they hurt you or they cheated on you or whatever? Count it all joy. How the heck do you live in hope and joy and love when you're going through pain? Can we give you these things really quickly? We're just gonna finish on this one today because we'll do the, the, the fourth one later. Here's how you do it. And I want you to just, um, you're not gonna write these down because I'm gonna read them fast. But how how do I live with joy? Well, you've gotta know what the truth is. You can't allow your circumstances to shape your theology and your belief in who God is. You have gotta keep coming back to God's Word. So how do I live in that? Well, you live in it by understanding that I am loved by the creator of the universe and that what I'm going through is only temporal how do I do it how do I live in joy I, I live in joy because I know that I'm created as an image bearer of God How do I live in joy in trials, persecution when I'm being broken, when the the prayer is being answered? The the way that we do it is because God's plans are given to me, uh, 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 God's plans are to give me a hope and a future. So I know that there's a hope and a future. God is for me and He is not against me. I can live in joy and I can live in hope because I know that hope is not a fantasy. Hope is a reality. I can live in joy and hope because God did not wish this upon me, but He's using it for His glory and He is refining me through it. I can live in joy because I believe in the depth of my soul that God is still in control. I can live in love and joy and hope for a better future because I know that suffering is a part of sin's grasp on this world, not because God created it or wanted it. I can live in that place of joy in a trial, in the place of breaking, because God's grace is overwhelming and it's beautiful and it's real in my life. I can live in that place of joy because God hasn't given me a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I also know that God gives me strength to face tomorrow. I also know that um, even this, even this thing that I'm going through right now can be used to glorify God and bring others to Jesus. And I know that I can make it through this because God is faithful. And the one promise that he promised us, one, he promises many promises, but one of the main things that you need to know is that Jesus said that he will never leave you nor forsake you. You know, can I be real with you today? God, the Bible doesn't teach us that you are going to be healed in this time. That's not to say God's not a healer. That's just to say, God sees us and our season's different. Now, should we pray for healing? I reckon we should keep praying. I reckon the prayer that we should be praying is, Lord, what do you want out of this circumstance? Help me to pray, Holy Spirit. And it's not, that's not a dumbed down prayer that we don't believe that God can come through. I think that's a deeply spiritual and mature prayer to pray. And the reason why I believe it so is because if you're basing, we've got to live our, our Christianity, our walk with Jesus, not based upon results, but we've got to live it based upon relationship. In other words, sometimes God does things on the other side of eternity. We don't completely understand why He doesn't do it on this side. But the one promise that He gave us is that He will never leave us nor forsake us. He will never leave us. He will never leave us. Now, is it God's desire to heal? Yes. But if you can answer to me why He doesn't do it when sometimes we expect Him to do it, I'd love to hear those thoughts. Because there are just some things that God chooses to withhold and do when we're with him in glory than now. And so I want to encourage you today to be that person that prays that prayer. Lord, smash me. Break me. Break me. Break me. I'm yours. When you pray that prayer, you know, When you pray that prayer, you don't have time. Yeah, when you pray that prayer, that prayer is a positioning prayer for the sending. You can't pray send me without praying smash me. Otherwise, you're gonna go in a direction with your own agenda mixed in. Do you know what I'm saying? It's hard to hear God's voice clearly through your own humanity when you haven't prayed the prayer, break me. You'll start imagining God's calling you to do this, that and the other, when really it's your agenda hearing God's voice. Can we quickly finish with this? We're gonna finish with this right now. I wanna, I wanna quickly do this because I felt Isaac was saying this before and I, I wanna rush, rush through this last one. Can you give me five more minutes? Still pretty early, isn't it? This is the shortest sermon I've spoken. Send me. Turn to your neighbour say, send me. Let's quickly read Isaiah chapter number six. Send me. Grew up in the early 2000s. I didn't grow up in that time. I'm a bit older than that, but I've got some fond Christian memories. I'm, I'm like, yeah, I'm like 14. And, <laughs> um, and um, one, of the, one of the songs that... A friend of mine wrote, um, and it was it was this song, Send Me, I will go. Send me, I will go, send me, I will go. You're right there? To this city, to this nation, and to the nations of the world. Anyone remember it? Yes. Oh yeah, praise the Lord. That's all. All right, sermon over. No. <laughs> Send me. This is a prayer of where where we're really saying, Lord, w- will you use me? It's a prayer of availability. It's a prayer of availability. I want to clarify before we read this text today that in the context of the New New Testament Church, our basic ecclesiology, which simply um, is kind of. Uh, uh, It simply means to us today that the basic forms of us being the church and being followers of Jesus is that we are on mission. It's impossible to be the church without understanding that you are on mission. Ecclesiology, we have did a series on the ecclesia, which is where... Today we get our word church. And the basic, like if you were to say, what does it mean to be the church? We would say that it means three things. It means community, it means worship, and it means mission. And those words are pretty broad theological words that we don't have time to get into today. But I wanna say it's important that we say this because we are inviting the Holy Spirit to send us, but we are also living in a place that we've already been sent. We're not asking Um, when we're not removing this idea that we have not been sent. Jesus, it's in the New Testament, has already sent us. And so our responsibility in this time as his church is not to ask necessarily for a new sending, but is rather to say, Lord, how do we participate as sent ones in your mission? Does that make sense? Let's read this quickly. You good? Isaiah yeah. chapter six, verse one. In the, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, seated on the throne and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him was seraphim, each with six wings, two wings that covered their faces, two that covered their feet, two that were flying. And they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the threshold shook and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am, for I, I am ruined from a man of unclean lips and I live among people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew with me Flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken from the tongs, taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sins atoned for. Then I heard the voice saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, here am I, send me, here am I, send me. What's the kind of person that's praying this prayer? The kind of person that's praying this prayer is the available person. Send me. And so the question that I want you to answer today as we pray this prayer is how available are you to Jesus? How available are you to Jesus? I think it's easy in this moment, like to fill the front and say, send me, I'll go sing the songs, I love it, let's do it later on, praise the Lord. But I think the real thing is around, do we live in that space and that mindset and that heart place in our lives where we're saying, Lord, send me. Where we're available 24 seven to what Jesus is doing where we're available in the nighttime to turn off the TV and turn off Netflix and turn off the PS5, 4, 3, 2 or 1 depending on your economic status at this point in time um, or the age of your children or your personal age. Anyway, I'm on a tangent right now. (laughs) Um, um, But in that moment, you live in this place where the foundation of your life and everything that you do is, Lord, I'm available. Whether you're in the surgery or in the office space or you're on public transport, you're in your home, whether you're in an actual meeting or in a Zoom meeting, is there something in your life that is just, the the heart's cry is saying, Lord, I'm available, would you use me? Would you use me? Would you use me? Would you use me? I'm available. God does some pretty radical things through people that position themselves as available people. And God, some of us are waiting, some of us are waiting for, for, for God to say, um, Tim, and, and give some crazy word. But can I be honest with you, that is not how it always works. It doesn't always work. like. In fact, I want to suggest to you today that we have been um, convinced in the Pentecostal church that we need some big word from God. But the big word from God is the work of Jesus that is already in the Bible. And he is inviting you to come and to participate in his mission. Look at these, look at these things really quickly because my wife's going to kill me. I can tell me she was just dancing in the back of the class just there. <laughs> can someone tell her I've got heaps of time on the clock? It's on zero. <laughs> have, have a look at this. Have a look at this. I, w- I want you to see these things. Quickly, the first thing that happens to Isaiah is that he has a revelation. Everyone say revelation. Revelation. He has a revelation. He has this new vision. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. I saw God in a new way, in a time where I was looking for a new king, looking for new leadership, looking for new direction. The nation's unstable; there's sin all over the all over the place. Assyria are threatening to take over the um, the Israelites and and come and get them and stuff like that. But it was in that year that I saw the Lord, and the first stage of availability is the stage called revelation it's the stage of fresh vision it's the stage of us having a new revelation of who jesus is it's my prayer that you when you walk into this room you don't see anything but you of man but you get a fresh revelation of who jesus is it's my prayer that you that that one day people will line up for hours and hours and hours just to get into a place where they might where it might be an environment like this where they can behold Jesus and what the Holy Spirit is doing in revealing Jesus in a new way it 's my prayer that we have this thing happen revelation. the second thing that happens as a result of his revelation that thing called recognition takes place he recognizes and we see this in um, we, we see this in verse number five. He recognises, the Bible says, that my eyes have seen the King. As a result of that recognition, it reframes now. It reframes the direction of his life. Revelation, recognition, and that recognition of seeing the King, this is why we just want to preach Jesus because it's not our altar call music that causes people to repent of their sins. It's a vision of the beauty and the wonder and the majesty of King Jesus. That recognition brought about repentance. That repentance brought about a readiness. Revelation, recognition, repentance. And now I'm ready. I heard T.D. Jakes preaching on this text And he said, you've got to have an inward vision first. Sorry, you've got to have an upward vision. Vision first. That leads to an inward vision, which then brings about an outward vision. Upward, inward, outward. Revelation, recognition, repentance, and then release. I'm ready. Send me. I will go. Isaac got up here before and he started talking about Adam and Eve. Don't have time to break it down, but this, um, started talking about Adam and Eve and uh, hiding. And I've literally got in my notes here because um, that word here, here I am, send me here I am, is this really interesting Hebrew word. God uses it a number of times. But, Biblical characters use it quite a bit. Now, as I was researching for today, I saw that word in a few significant characters. Number one, I saw it in Abraham. When God speaks to him about offering and sacrificing his son, Abraham replies with the same Hebrew word, here I am. It's through that test and that trial of faith. It was through that place of him going, Lord, send me, whatever it is. We see it through another biblical character, Moses. Remember Moses is just minding his own business, looking after his father Jethro's sheep. And what happens is a bush starts burning and it's a visitation. It's It's a visitation of God in the desert to Moses. And what does Moses say? Moses turns aside to the bush and says, here am I. He uses the same Hebrew word. We find this in Samuel the prophet, just a, a kid with, with, that's just growing up in the, in the house of the Lord and he starts hearing his name being called as he's trying to sleep. And naturally, like every child would, he goes to his teacher at that time, Eli the priest, and says, yes, what do you want? What does he say? He says, here I am. He uses the same word, the same Hebrew word, here am I. It's this word of saying, I'm at your service. I am available. What do you need from me? Isaiah uses the same word, here am I, send me. And the saddest thing is that if we go to Acts chapter, uh, Genesis chapter 3, we see that Adam and Eve, when God called their name, sadly, we don't hear that word, here am I, send me. Here am I, here am I. We don't hear that word in Genesis chapter 3. We heard it with Abraham and Moses and Samuel. We heard it with Isaiah. And I wanna just make this last point, David, you can come wherever you are, sir. Thank you. I wanna make this last point. In fact, why don't you stand up, stand to your feet as, 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 uh, just as we finish. I wanna make this last point about Isaiah as we're praying this prayer, send me. Check this out. This is what happens. Have you read the text closely? Because I think we think, and sure, Isaiah's having a crazy encounter with God. Like it's, it's, it's crazy. It's in the Bible. It's gonna be a good one. But what happens? Let's just read it just a little closely again. It says, Then I heard a voice saying, Whom shall I send? That's what the call was. The call and the words from God were, Who shall I send? It wasn't Isaiah, I want to send you to the nations. It wasn't Isaiah, here's the clear plan that I want you to go and walk out in. It was, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And you know what? The one that prayed the prayer was a man by the name of Isaiah. And Isaiah says, here I am, send me. You're waiting for a specific word where your name Tim or Jim or... Whatever your name is, is to being called. But God is saying to you today, who who can I send and who will go for us? And He's looking, He's listening for a church. He's listening for a people in the earth at this time that would say, Lord, here am I, send me. And as we sing this song and as we close, the rest of the team can come, thanks. I want us to just sing this song just a few times through. And I want you to just bring your heart before the Lord and say, Lord, here am I. Send me here. Am I? Send me here. Am I? Send me.
1: You're still my first
0: Come on, would you lift your hands if that's your prayer You're today?
1: Still my
0: It's just our prayer, God, as a church, we position ourselves as a community of believers. We pray this prayer, Lord, here am I. Send me, wherever you lead me, I'll go. Send me, Jesus. If it's the nations, it's the nations. If it's, if you're sending me, Father, to my neighbours, I'll go. If you're sending me, Lord, to my workplace, school, university, I'll go. I'm available and I want you to use me, mighty God. You know, maybe you're here today just as every head is bowed, every eye is closed, you don't know Jesus. Say, Matt, I wanna know Him today. I wanna know Him today. Maybe you're away from God. You you, You haven't been living as a fully devoted follower of Jesus. Come on, let those words sink in. I haven't been a fully devoted follower of Jesus. I pray that the Holy Spirit would convict you. I pray that He would also empower you. I pray that He would strengthen you. I pray that He would bring you to a place where the number one desire in your life is to follow Jesus, to glorify the Name of Jesus with every part of your life. Maybe you fall into one of those two categories. You don't know God, but you say, Matt, I want to I give my life to you. If that's you right now, I want you to pray this prayer. I want you to pray with me today. In fact, I'm going to pray, pray over you. All you need to do is call on the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Father, I pray that hearts would be set aflame today. I pray, Father, that the lukewarm in this room, God, would be set on fire. I pray that those, Father, that have a belief and an acknowledgement that there's a God and that Jesus did what He did, I pray that the full reality of who you are would come right into their view right now in Jesus' mighty name. Holy Spirit, I'm praying that you would arrest hearts and minds and thoughts. Holy Spirit, we're inviting you to come and do that in our lives because our faith and our belief is not perfect and we need you to help us in our own unbelief. But Jesus, right now I'm praying by the Holy Spirit you would fill this room and I'm praying, Father, that the lukewarm would be set on fire I'm praying that the lost would be found. I'm praying that those that were atheists and didn't believe would come to the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm praying today, Father, that sinners would repent of their sin. I'm praying today that this that our city would humble itself before You, Lord. Repent, turn from its wicked way, and that You would heal our land in the name of Jesus. We wanna honour you and we wanna worship you in Jesus' name. Amen, 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 amen. You know, if you prayed that or if you wanna to talk to someone, there's gonna be plenty of people that you can talk to the person that you came with. They can put you in the right direction. I um, wanna encourage you, if you've got kids in our kids' program, um, just to make my marriage a better place today, um, check the kids out. <laughs> I'm joking. Um, check your kids out of, out of um, eKids and um, the door's going to be open in the hall. we got hospitality as normal. We love you so much, and we just want to thank you. Um, All of those things, register for Women's Event, uh, be it uh, we won't be in the building here next Sunday. We'll be elsewhere, so look in your inbox for that. Um, And I think that that is about all. If you want to give or connect, you can do all those sorts of things. We love you. See you later.